uh, telling Ricky, Susie, and Brooklyn. Uh, Renata and Mary didn't know we were going to do that, so it's probably their last day coming. They probably hate this church now. Um, but hey, you got a gift card. Your last day. Beat that. Um, so, uh, but uh, man, we, uh, listen, listen. What happens here wouldn't happen without people that say, you know what? I'll serve. This is my church, and I'll get in the game. And uh, man, we just love our volunteers. And so this is what you just now saw. This is something we want to do. Uh, we're going to do regularly, monthly. We just want to say thank you to all of our volunteers. And so just like Dana said, one at a time. And uh, so we just want to thank you guys. If you're not serving, if you're here and you're saying, man, how can I get plugged in? How can, I just want to be more involved in Summit. I want to meet some people. Uh, what's, what's something really, what's a really simple thing I can do, Mark, uh, to get plugged in? It's easy. It's serve. On the back of your connection card you got when you walked in, there's a box on there. Uh, I want to serve. Check that. We'll get in touch with you this week. And man, we'll make it happen. All right? Hey, if you are here for the very first time, my name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor, and we're just excited to have you here today at Summit. And in fact, we've got a free gift for all of our first and second time guests. So all you need to do today is after church, when we're done here in a minute, uh, out there in the lobby to your right is our welcome table. Take that card, uh, check on the front that you are a first, second time guest. We've got a free gift uh, that we'd love to give to everybody that's new here today. Hey, I want to mention a couple of things to you before we, um, before we jump in. Um, I want to mention to you uh, two things. First thing I want to mention is next Sunday, right after church in the multi-purpose room, that's where Summit Kids meets, we're having an opportunity to be a part of something massive that we've never done before. This summer, it's called Mega Sports Camp. Uh, this year, uh, maybe we've done VBX, things like that in the past. Um, we're not doing that this year. We're doing something bigger that we've never done before. It's called Mega Sports Camp. And just the idea of that is, is that kids love sports. Did you know this? Right? Kids love sports, okay? And so you clapped at that. That's tremendous. And it's like everybody is getting a gift card. I don't know what we're doing. Um, but uh, here, here's what we believe. Here's what Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus used what people were doing to reach people. Jesus went where people were to reach people. And here's what we believe. I love what Austin said. With this church, one of our core values is, that the, ne- is the next generation matters now. So what we want to do this summer is we're going to use something that kids love, sports, to reach kids. We're going to use sports to reach teenagers. And so this summer we're having something called Mega Sports Camp. And it's literally three or four days. It's a massive sports clinic. We're going to have all kinds of coaches and all kinds of people be a part of literally running uh, running coaches and camps uh, for basketball, for soccer, for, uh, for uh, softball, for flag football. Maybe you're not into sports, for crafts, all kinds of different things. This is going to be a massive, massive, massive deal. And we need our church to step up to be a part of this. And so what you can do if you want to be a part of it is next Sunday right after church, just come to the meeting uh, that we're going to have right after church in the multi-purpose room. Hey, listen, we're going to give you free lunch. So uh, you should come anyway just to eat the food. Okay, but it's right after church next Sunday. Now, before Mega Sports Camp this summer, okay, is Easter. Now, how many knows Easter is a big deal? Raise your hand. Easter is a big deal. Easter is a big deal in church world. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of church because people that don't come to church at all will come to church two times out of the year. What are those two Sundays? There you go, Easter and Christmas, Christmas and Easter, that's right. So Easter is a big deal. Easter is March 27th this year, and this year we are having one service at 11 o'clock. We've got some really cool stuff planned for kids, one service right here. Now, the week before, Saturday, March 19th at 12 to 2 at Perry County Park, we're having Explosion. That's our big egg hunt, just gave it a different name this year. We need two things. We need eggs, 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 eggs. We need thousands of eggs. The golden trophy is back there. If I would have thought it through, I would have brought it out here person or group that the group rather that brings the most eggs gets a golden trophy with a big fat egg on it we're calling it the golden egg 
we're nothing but creative here. All right? And so the, the group that brings the most eggs, you win that trophy. Life group. My life group has well over 1,000 eggs, which means we are blowing everyone away. All right? Uh, but we need eggs, man, and we need help. If you want to be a part of Explosion, uh, we'd like for you to sign, us, sign up to let us know that you'll help. You can do that at our app on our website, summithazard.com, or out there at the welcome table. Now, when you leave today, you will get some Easter invite cards, okay? You're going to get some Easter invite cards for uh, you to give out, and here you go, wait for it, invite people to Easter, Okay, so we're not giving you these so you can put them in your pocket and then they go in the trash or anything like that. We're giving you these so that we can make it easier for you to invite your friends to church. Okay, let's absolutely pack out the forum on March 27th. Listen, there are people who are open to a church invite in the next three weeks that are not open to one again until Christmas. Okay, and we we, we make no apologies about it. We purposely leverage Easter so that you can bring your friends and so that we can get as many people who need Jesus in here that we can share the gospel and give people an opportunity to get saved. We make no apologies about that at all. All right? So we want to fill up this place with people March 27th. So when you leave, you're getting these cards. You can walk up to people at school, at work, at restaurants. Listen, if you give these, listen, it, if I hear about somebody at our, at our church going to a restaurant and you only leave this as a tip, in Jesus' name, we will pour the wrath of God on you. All right? Now, if you're going to leave this as, with a tip, with a tip, with a tip, leave a fat tip, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, leave a stinking amazing tip that says, wow, I'll go to that church because they're all loaded. Um, so go, so, I'm just, do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes, all right? So, uh, but when you leave, you're going to get some of these cards, okay? Hey, right now, uh, our ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our offering. We're going to, right before we do the sermon, so our ushers are going to come. Let's get in place. Uh, Hey, thank you guys so much for giving because literally what you give makes everything possible here. Uh, It makes kids. It makes students. It makes life groups. It makes serving. It makes explosion. It makes everything we do possible, what you give. And Maybe you didn't know this. Uh, we are right now, one of the things you can give to, you can, you can just regularly give. Another thing you can give to, Dana mentioned it last week, a lot of you gave to the Dollar Club last week. That's $1 above what you normally give, and it goes to meet families' needs, maybe pay bills, buy food for families here in our area. That gets used, every, uh, that gets used almost every single week. That's a great ministry, so the Dollar Club's there. Another thing that you can give to, it's called Impact. Impact is our vision initiative where, uh, for our construction of our future campus. If you came to Encounter Night this past Wednesday, uh, the architect that's over our building, they gave us two samples of what our building could look like. So if you came to Encounter Night on Wednesday night, you got to see these first, but I want to show you. There's one right there. So the building right there at, at the old uh, FedEx building that we purchased, that's, that's an example of it. Let's go to the next one just so that you can see they're just kind of darker colors. Uh, but Wednesday night, I said to people, you know what? I would go to that church. I would go to that church right there. But here's, when you give to Impact, you are giving to make our future campus a reality because this is not our building, okay? And so we rent this every single week. And so, man, I just want to thank every single person that gives because your generosity is making everything that you see and experience here every week possible. So I'm going to pray for our offering, and we're going to jump in. God, I pray right now for every single person that's giving today that, God, you would pour out a supernatural blessing on their life. God, that just like you said in the book of Malachi, that you would open up the windows, open up the doors of blessing in their life, and, God, you would just pour out 
a blessing on them. God, they would know your presence. They would know that your love. They would know your care and your grace. And God, for the person that's giving for the very first time today, thank you for that person. God, for the people that are giving online or maybe through our app, God, thank you for them. No matter how people give, thank you for the generosity of your people that makes ministry and life change possible. Father, we love you. This offering is another form of worship where we get to offer ourselves up to you. And that's what we do here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you guys can go ahead and begin to receive our offering this morning. Well, this morning, uh, while we're receiving our offering, I am going to read our scripture passage. Our scripture passage for the morning will be up on the screen behind me here. It's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, maybe a physical one, you've got one on your phone, go ahead and turn that on to John 15, 1 through 11. And uh, about to jump in. Is everybody excited to be here this morning? Are you excited to be at church? Excited to be at church? I don't know if we paid the light bill. Keep giving. We need the light bill paid. Apparently, all right. So, hey, let's uh, let's do this. Let's do this. Hey, let's all stand as we read God's word this morning. Okay, let's all stand. They're still receiving our offering, so that'll uh, that'll be cool to do while we're doing that. We stand out of reverence for reading a God's word. Okay, it's something we do every once in a while. This is the word of God. Okay, this is not something that man put together. This is not something that we made up. This is God's voice on a page. All right, so John 15, we're gonna read verses one through 11. It says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We're memorizing verse 5. Here's verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Last verse, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? What's the last word? Full. All right, awesome. You can go ahead and grab a seat. I want to read verse 7 again. If we can bring it up on the, I think it might be the next slide there on the screen. There it is. Listen to verse 7. This is our verse for the morning, okay? Verse 7, John 15, 7, it says this. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but prayer is really popular. Did you know that? Do you know that prayer is really popular? Even people that don't go to church, not, maybe, maybe not be a Christian, you see this on the news, the national sport, uh, spotlight all the time. Something happens, uh, maybe something happens, somebody you know, really famous, well-known, passes away, or, or just something happens, uh, grief comes, and then what's the nat- na- uh, national response almost? People say almost the same thing. They say, our thoughts and prayers are with them. I read an article a couple of weeks ago from the USA Today. 55% of Americans pray every single day. 
55% of Americans. Now, now, it doesn't say if they're praying to Jesus, Buddha, or Elvis. It doesn't say. But 55% of people pray every single day. And I started to wonder, I wonder what they're, I wonder what they're praying about. And so I put something out on Facebook one day. I said, listen, hey, if you pray, what do you pray about? And I got tons of answers from all kinds of different people. Some went here, some didn't, but I got all kinds of answers. Well, I pray for my kids. I pray for my family. I pray for safety. I pray uh, for this circumstance. I pray for our nation. I pray for our church. I, I pray for my future. I pray for this decision. Well, did you see what Jesus just now said in verse 7? Let me read it one more time. He said, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, we're in this series called Rooted and we're talking about this word that Jesus says eight times in that passage. It's the word abide. And that word abide, what we're learning in this series is we're learning how to be more aware of Jesus' presence. That if I am more aware of Jesus' presence in my life, I'll have more joy, more confidence, more faith. I will be a different person to the degree that I'm aware of his presence in my life. And so we are learning how to abide. We are learning what it means to be rooted in Christ. And listen, you can't abide in Christ without prayer. You can't be aware of Jesus' presence with you apart from prayer. You just can't. And so, so, so we're talking about prayer today because Jesus talks about prayer here in verse 7. But I think it's important that we figure out what Jesus doesn't mean before we dive into what he does mean. Because, because you know, Jesus just now said, and we saw him say this, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, when Jesus says, ask whatever you want and I'll do it. That doesn't mean you ask Jesus for a pony and you get a pony, okay? That doesn't mean you ask Jesus to make you rich and you get rich. That doesn't mean that you ask Jesus for a hotter spouse and you get a hotter spouse. Some of you are praying that stop, right? Now, see, there is a form of teaching out there. It's called the prosperity gospel, and it means this. It means that Jesus came to make you rich and, and healthy. So all you need is enough faith and you will never get sick. And if, you, and if you do get sick, enough faith will heal you. And then Jesus wants you to be rich. The problem with that is Jesus never said that. Never said that. The other problem with that is that Jesus wasn't rich. In fact, Jesus was probably homeless and he was tortured to death. Bummer for the people that think he only wants you happy and healthy. Okay? See, see, we know that Jesus isn't saying here, ask me for whatever you want and I'll do it because Jesus actually gives us some guardrails that keeps us from going off into crazy town. All right? He actually gives us two. First guardrail there in verse 7, he says, if you abide in me. That's a guardrail. Abide in me. Put me at the center of your life. Be more aware of my presence. If you put me at the center... That's a guardrail. The second guardrail, he says, is this. So if you abide in me, put me at the center of your life, more and more you want me at the center. Here's the second guardrail. My word abides in you. So, so this book, this book that we just now said is the voice of God on a page, the more this book finds its address in my heart, here's what begins to happen, church. I'm just telling you this happens. The more this book gets inside of you, you begin to want what Jesus wants. The more this word gets inside of you, you begin to want what, Je- want what Jesus wants for you, and you begin to want what Jesus wants 
for the world. And so the sweet spot, if you will, of prayer is I want Jesus at the center of my life. I want his word in me so I can want what he wants. And listen, when I want what Jesus wants, I'm going to want nobody to perish because the word of God says God doesn't want anybody to perish. I'm going to pray for the least, the lost, and the lonely because Jesus cared for the least, the lost, and the lonely. I'm, I'm going to want what Jesus wants. And so when I abide him more at the center and his word is alive inside of me, that is the sweet spot of prayer. Because did you see that Jesus Christ is challenging us today to say, listen, whatever you want, whatever, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Here's the question for our church this morning. Let me ask you something. I want you to think about this. What are you asking God to do right now? If somehow we could take all of your prayers that you've prayed the past seven days, throw them on that screen, what would we read? What are you asking God to do? Because here's the problem. So many times the level of our prayers don't rise above our circumstances. And listen, you ought to pray for your circumstances. You ought to pray for what's on your daily, uh, what's on your daily schedule. You ought to pray for the nitty-gritty of your life. But let's think about who it is that is telling us right here, black and white, some of you it's in red, on the page, who is it that's saying to us, whatever you want, I'll do it. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, whatever. Who is it that's saying this? Jesus is saying it. The God of the universe, same God that spoke and all creation came into existence, same God that has given you life right now, the God of the universe is looking at you right in the face and he says, ask me for whatever. I mean, think about what God is capable to do, Summit. Did you know that God, did you know that God could change this city right now? Did you know that? Did you know that God could change this entire region right now? You say, well, why doesn't he? Are you asking him to? Well, I asked him one time where I prayed about it for a couple of days in a row. No, Jesus says when he talks about prayer, to ask, to seek, to beg, to knock. Are you begging God to change this region? Are you begging God to save our nation? James chapter 4 says this. We don't have it on the screen, but James 4 says this. You do not have because you do not ask. You don't have it because you don't ask. What are you asking God to do? Now, maybe prayer is a new thing for you. Maybe prayer is a new thing. I remember, I remember when I met Jesus Christ, 18 years old. I can still remember the very first time that I ever prayed on my own because I wanted to. I can. So maybe prayer is, is a new thing for you. Or, hey, listen, my hand is already up for this. How many find prayer difficult? My hand's up right now. My hand's up right now. Because I'm talking to a dude that I can't see. Okay, my hand's up. Right? Almost every single hand went up. Some of you didn't raise your hand, and you need to know the series on lying comes in a couple weeks. Um, but I, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's difficult. It's a little odd. You, there's nothing else like prayer. You're talking to somebody that you can't see. So let me just give you some pointers when it comes to prayer. Here's what you need to know about prayer. You can pray about anything at any time, any place. You can you, you, you can pray about anything in your life, big, small, great, little, it doesn't matter. You can pray about anything. Some people say this, well, Mark, I'm just, I, I just don't, don't want to bother God with the needs in my life. I just feel like he's got enough things on his plate. Listen, that is false humility. 
And it's actually disobedience because Jesus says to pray about everything. So listen, if you're worried about a test, pray for that test. You're worried about a relationship, pray for that relationship. You can pray about anything, anywhere, driving in the car, right here at church, while you're on Facebook, doesn't matter, at any time, any time. Day, night, God is open for business 24-7, 365. So what do I pray about? You know, you know what you pray about? Here, here's what you can pray about. When I was 18 years old, somebody taught me this acronym. Just, just kind of helps drive prayer, helps me to think through maybe what I'm talking to God about. Somebody taught me the acronym ACTS, okay, ACTS, A-C-T-S. If you're writing this, uh, taking notes, you can write this down. If you're saying, man, I have a hard time even knowing what to say to God, maybe this is helpful for you. It's an acronym called ACTS. A is for adoration. A is for adoration. So adoration is what? Adoration is praise, Did you know that you can praise God and you don't need Ricky and the band with you to do that? Did you know that? You don't need to send Ricky. Hey, Ricky, I'd like to worship God today around lunchtime. Can you come to my house? You don't got to do that. You can worship God. What what, what do I worship God for? Worship God that he saved you. Praise God for his word. Praise God just for who he is. Praise God for how he cared for you. When the disciples said, Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. You all know the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus started off the Lord's Prayer this way. Our Father, what? Who art in heaven. Stop right there. You know what that is? That's praise. He's acknowledging who God is. So see his confession. See his confession. God, I'm, I'm going to confess sin that's in my life. See, you start the Christian life with confession by confessing your sin, but that's not the only time you confess your sin. In fact, it ought to be something you do every single day. And you're not getting saved every day, okay? I hear that sometimes. Well, I get saved every day. No, brother, you don't. You do that one time, all right? You get saved one time, but confession, ongoing confession, what it does, it really, it's really keeping the communication line open, making sure that sin doesn't find a home in your heart. So I'm going to confess T is thanksgiving. Thank God for everything that he's done in your life, who he is. S is supplication. I'm going to pray about my life. I'm going to pray for certain needs. But some of you, and let me say this, you, you might want to write this down. This is going to encourage somebody. I hear people say all the time, Mark, I don't pray or I don't feel like my prayers are effective because I feel like I am so weak. I feel like my prayers are so weak. Listen to me, listen to me, write this down. Your prayers are as strong as the person you're connected to and you are connected to Jesus, okay? Your prayers are as effective as the person you're connected to and you are connected to who? That's why every prayer is the same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Why does every prayer end that way? Because you're not coming to God in your name. You're not coming to God in my name. You are coming to God in the name through the person of Jesus Christ. So why did God hear your prayer? Because, you, because it came through Jesus. Why is God going to answer your prayer, respond to your prayer? Because it's not in your name. You are coming to God through Jesus. That's why every prayer you utter in Jesus' name, God the Father hears. You don't need the Pope to pray for you. Sorry, sorry. I'll pray for you, but listen, I don't have any special access to God that you don't have right now. I love what Morgan said. The the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, that's in me, is also in every believer in this room. You have access to God right now through Jesus Christ. Amen? You do. You can talk to God right now. You can talk to God right now. But here's what I want to do. I want to give you three prayers that you can pray, three prayers that you can pray that I guarantee you God will answer. I promise you God will answer these three prayers. Promise. God loves to answer these prayers, but, but. You know when you get on a roller coaster and there's always that sign that says, warning, if you have a heart condition or you're pregnant or whatever, you should think twice, you know what I'm saying? This is gonna be pretty, you know, this is, this is pretty intense. 
If there was a warning label for a sermon, this, that, this, this sermon has a warning label. Because the three prayers that I'm gonna give you right now, I promise God will answer. And so you should, this is not for the, this is not for the faint-hearted. If you, have a, if, you have a spir, if you have a spiritual condition called lukewarmness and you love that condition, do not pray these prayers because God will rock your ever-loving mind. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Just sit there all comfy and you, you, can, you can answer that before Jesus when you stand in front of him. But listen, these are three dangerous prayers that I guarantee you God will answer, all right? Write these down. Here's the first prayer that I guarantee God will answer. Search me. First prayer that I guarantee God will answer is the prayer, search me. Look at Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. Search me. Search me. Parents, parents, have you noticed, I have three kids, my youngest daughter, she's four. Uh, have you noticed that, that toys are getting smaller? Have you noticed this? I mean, when I was a kid, He-Man was a big, huge, bulking, like massive action figure. And my four-year-old, her toys are this big. Are this big. Daddy, I've lost, I've lost Elsa's dress. It's this big. It's this big. How do you know she even had a dress? She was naked, I thought. I didn't know. Right? Daddy, I've lost this. I've lost this strap. My, my, my daughter's into Shopkins. It's food with a face on it. How do I not think of these things? Daddy, I lost the Shopkins. We will turn our house upside down looking for that thing. We will call the FBI. We will do it to find this little bitty, bitty, bitty toy. We will look under the couch. We will lift up the sheets. We will look under the bed. We will look in all the closets. We will take flashlights into where it's dark. We will look all over until that thing turns up and make sure it's not hiding anywhere. See, when I pray, God, search me, I am giving God permission to lift up the mattress, look under the bed, remove the sheets, take the flashlight of the Holy Spirit, and go anywhere in my life and say, God, if you find something that doesn't please you, get it out. You can go in the darkest area of my life. You can go in the most hidden aspects of my mind. Search me. Search me. It's really given God permission to do exploratory surgery in your life. Everybody say, search me. Search me. God loves to answer that prayer. Here's another one. Number two, it's change me. Change me. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Change me. Isn't it easy to see how other people need to change? It is, isn't it? It is. Man, it's easy. It's easy to see how the people on your Facebook news feed needs to change. It's easy to see how your spouse, your kids, it's easy to see the, how the people at your job needs to change. And you know what? I guarantee they need to change. I guarantee they do. But you know who else needs to change? Me. I need to change. And so do you. We all need to change. In fact, listen to me. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you have breath in your lungs today, God wants to change you. You never retire from God. Never. Never. So, so change me. God, create in me a clean heart. God, change my mind. Change the way that I think. Change my desires. God, change the things that I do. God, God, my, my, God, change my attitude. I fly off the handle way too easy. God, change me in every area. What do you think would happen if you began to pray that every day? I, get, I know what would happen. God would change you. 
When couples come to me for, for marriage counseling, two things happen. I pray I don't screw it up worse than it already is. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. And here's the second thing that I always do. I always do this. I don't care what their problem is. I say this, listen, I know you want your spouse to change and your spouse needs to change, but I, but I need you to start praying, God, change me too. Change me too. Everybody say, change me. Last prayer, number three, send me. Send me. I love Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah sees God. This is Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet sees God. And he says this, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Here I am. Send me. I'll go. God, I will go wherever. I will do whatever. God, here, God, if that is who you are, if you are that good, that glorious, you can change me that much. If you can do that much in my life, God, I am yours, man. I am in. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Here I am. Send me, and I will do it. Send me to my school. Send me to where I work. Send me to that person. That's why these Easter invite cards matter. Listen, take that Easter invite card. I dare, I dare you to do this. Take those Easter invite cards, and beginning tomorrow, walk around with some cards in your pocket saying, God, who do you, send me. Send me to whoever. Send me to whoever needs one of these cards, and watch what God does. Listen to me. If you haven't listened to anything at all, lean in right now. Every movement of God begins with prayer. Every movement of God begins with prayer. Everyone. Everyone. Read through the Gospels, especially the book of Luke, and underline every single time Jesus prayed. Jesus was a man of prayer. If he knew that he needed to pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? Every move of God begins with prayer. Two weeks ago, I was reading my Bible. I'm a morning person. I get up every day, usually about five o'clock in the morning, and I know I'm weird, and really, it's because I'm highly addicted to coffee. Pray for me, all right? Um, but, I, but I am a morning person. I get up early, you know, read some things. I was reading my Bible. I was praying, uh, praying about two weeks ago, and I just had this overwhelming sense that God wanted me to begin praying that he would send a real revival, a true spiritual awakening to Eastern Kentucky every day. That God wanted me to begin to pray every single day that he would send a real revival, a true spiritual awakening to this region. And so for the past, for every day, every day for the past two days, I've been praying that. I've been praying that God would do that. I prayed that this morning. I shared that with, our, I've shared that with my, my wife. I've shared that with our staff. I've shared that with some of our leaders here. We were, we were praying backstage and somebody brought it up that we've been praying for that. We were praying backstage that God would send a revival, send an awakening to Eastern Kentucky because I believe that Eastern Kentucky right now is in a prime position for a move of God unlike ever before. You look at this, can we talk honest for a second? You look at the condition of this region right now, hopelessness. Am I right? Depression? Uncertainty? Is everybody moving out? Is this gonna be a ghost town? I wonder if anybody's gonna fix it. And listen, listen to me, listen to me. God has a consistent track record of bringing real revival every time, not every time, but God has a consistent track record of bringing real revival into situations of hopelessness, brokenness, uncertainty, and depression. Almost, uh, God has a consistent track record of doing that. Listen, in the history of America, 
There have been three so-called great awakenings. More, a lot of revivals in the history of America, but there have been three so-called great awakenings in America. First one you'll learn about in high school, college. You'll learn about a guy named Jonathan Edwards. A lot of what you're hearing there is wrong. I'd love to go out to lunch with you and talk to you about Jonathan Edwards, hero mine. First great awakening. You've heard of the first great awakening, probably. A lot of you have. You talk about it in school. Second great awakening, Second Great Awakening, thousands, thousands of people came to Jesus Christ. Real revival, true revival. Second Great Awakening, a spontaneous move of God. You might not know this. Second Great Awakening, one of the greatest revivals ever in the history of this country. It started in Kentucky, less than an hour away. First and Second Great Awakening get a lot of attention. Then there is a Third Great Awakening. There's a third one. And in the year 1857, there's a man in New York. His name's Jeremiah Lam- Lamfart, Lamfort, Lamfort. And he's a businessman, and here's what he sees. Jeremiah Lamfort looks around New York City, and he sees that the churches have kind of shifted into neutral. They're not really doing anything aggressive to try to reach people. They're just having church on Sunday, say that was nice, and then they go home. Prosperity, I mean, man, the, econ- the, e- the economy was growing, things were happening. He saw people walking away from God. Nobody in this person, in nobody, nobody in Jeremiah Lam- Lam- Lamfort's mind was seeking God. And so he said on one Monday in September of 1857, this man, this businessman in New York City said, you know what? I'm gonna begin to have prayer meetings every Monday and we're gonna, be, we're gonna begin to pray that people would seek God. We're just gonna begin to pray. And he just told a few people about it, about a prayer meeting that he was gonna begin to start. They'd meet every Monday at a small church there in New York City and they would begin to pray. And then I wanna read this to you. Watch this. Two days after Lanfear's prayer meeting began, two days after it began, they began to pray for revival. Two days after Lanfear's prayer meeting began, the Bank of Pennsylvania failed in Philadelphia. I want you to read this and see if you can find any similarity with our area. The Bank of Pennsylvania failed in Philadelphia, sending shockwaves through America's financial community. In a few days' time, enough people were attending Lanfear's meeting that it began to meet daily. Watch this. Go to the next one. On October 10th, that is not even a month after they began to pray, so two days after they started to pray, the largest bank, one of the largest banks in the country collapsed. T- hundreds of people lost their jobs. Businesses shut down. On October 10th, the New York stock market crashed, putting, mu- putting many stockbrokers and clerks out of work and shutting down businesses everywhere. Many people went into bankruptcy. The panic shattered the previous complacency. Soon, the crowds attending the Fulton Street Layman's Gathering, that's what it was called, overflowed into the nearby John Street Methodist Church. Watch this next sentence. Watch this next sentence. The financial panic, it seems, was the catalyst that triggered the awakening. Within six months, 10,000 people were gathering daily for prayer in numerous places throughout New York City. Between the years of 1857 and 1859, that revival spread across this country. And most church historians believe that that in in that time frame, 1857 to 1859, 50,000 people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ a week in America. And where did it start? People prayed. I believe that Eastern Kentucky needs Jesus Christ. I do believe that. I believe that. Now, think of the conversations that you are having right now. You know what those conversations are about? People are looking for salvation. And listen, 
We pray for the economy here. We pray the industry would come. We pray that the economic situation in eastern Kentucky would completely turn around. But if it happens and we miss God, we've missed a lot. So I am calling our church, listen to me, I am calling our church to join me and to begin praying daily that God would send a real spiritual revival to this region. And when I say that I believe that God wants the church to pray for that, I don't simply mean summit. I mean the church. But listen, it starts with the people of God praying It starts right here with God, with us going to God, saying, God, search me. God, wake me up from spiritual laziness, from just going to church and clocking in and clocking out. God, change me. God, send me. Jesus, here I am. Send revival right here. Students, students, I want you to begin praying for your school more than you complain for your school. I want you to begin wherever you work. Adults, wherever you work, I want you to begin to pray for where you work more than you complain about it. I want you to begin to pray for this region more than you complain about it. Amen? Isn't God the only one who can fix it? And don't we need God? I mean, really need God. When I talk about revival, I don't mean, well, we've got one planned in three weeks. Listen, I'm not knocking anybody that does that, but I'm talking about something that only God would break through at a spontaneous moment and do only what he does. So I'm calling our church to pray for spiritual awakening in this region. And I need you, I need you to know two things. First thing I need you to know is I have no plan on what God wants us to do next. I think God just wants us to pray. So this isn't leading to something that gets a logo or anything like that. I just think that God wants us to pray. Second thing, second thing that I would want to say to us, Mark, how long, do you want, how long are we going to pray for this until it happens? Amen? Amen. Until it happens. And if God would send a spiritual revival in our lifetime, then we will praise him for it. But if God doesn't do it in our lifetime and we're sowing seed and God sends the revival in the next generation and we're all dead and gone and in heaven, well then in heaven we will give him glory for it. Amen? Amen. But let it not be said. Let it not be said that a spiritual revival did not come to eastern Kentucky because we didn't ask for it, right? So maybe today you need revival because that's where it starts. It starts with you. And if you need revival, then it is simple what you need to do. You need to pray, God, search my heart, change my heart, and send me. Some of you, you have been coming here for weeks, for months, or maybe you just came this morning. You are looking for something to change in your life. You say, something's got to give. I am at the end of my rope. The thing that you need is Jesus Christ. And you need to, yeah, yeah, keep coming here. Yeah, keep coming here. I'm so excited that you are here. But today, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do. 
You need to ask Jesus Christ to save you, to forgive you, to give you a new heart, and I promise you that he will. Don't let anything stop you from doing that today. We all stand, we pray. We're gonna do something a little different here. We don't do this a lot. We've done it maybe two times, I think. Let's all bow our heads, close our eyes for a second. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's all stay as still as we possibly can. As still as we possibly can. As still as we possibly can. How many of you right now, just by, show, just by raising your hands, say, Mark, I need revival in my life. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Just be honest. Hands are going up all over this room. I need revival right now. Raise your hand if that's you. I just want you to begin to ask God for it right now. Let it start with me. Let it start with me. God, search me, change me, send me. Some of you are here and you need Jesus Christ to save you today. You're not a Christian. And I'm not saying you're a bad person or anything like that. I'm saying that you know you need Jesus in your life. I want you to know today, if you're not a Christian, Jesus loves you and he's ready to save you right here in this moment. If you cry out to him for salvation, you wanna be saved today, I'm gonna pray a prayer. You just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today. I want you to be my Lord. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if today you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to celebrate with you. So I'm gonna count to three, and as soon as I say three, would you just put your hand in the air so that I can celebrate and pray for you today? One, two, three. Raise your hand today if you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Just put your hand high in the air so that I can see it. Put your hand high in the air. Now, here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna end the service today and then we're done. I want everybody to look at me. We're gonna pray for revival in Eastern Kentucky right now. Before we go, this is the last thing that we're gonna do. And there's a really good crowd here today, man. Praise God for that. But somehow, we're going to join hands. Some of you are coughing, so just... Don't touch the person that's, just do this. I want us to do a circle. So we're gonna, we're gonna circle up and we're gonna come together as one body today and we're gonna ask God to send revival. So let's circle up. So this is gonna require everybody to move. And it's not a circle because it's the small room, a ton of people. It will be a shape of some kind. But we're gonna pray together. Let's, so let's all get together. We'll have to go through the aisles and get all over and things like that and come together. I don't know how we're going to do this. Just kind of circle up in rows and aisles and chaotic and it's great all right here's what we're going to do i want us to pray for three things today we're going to pray 
We're going to pray that God would forgive us, forgive his people, the church, for spiritual laziness, for taking him for granted. We're going to pray for unity for all churches, unity in the body of Christ. And then we're going to pray for revival. Okay, let's pray right now. Every heart lifted to God. God, right now, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, coming together as one church, a group of people. God, desperate for change, desperate for revival. There's probably people in this circle, they're not Christians. They, 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 maybe don't, they don't know where they are with you, but God, they know something needs to change in this region. And God, we believe, it's, we believe what needs to happen is you need to move. And we are desperate for it. Father, right now, God, we confess to you, taking you for granted. Just being lukewarm, going through the motions, coming to church and going home not concerned about you, not wanting you at the forefront of our lives, not wanting to put you at the center. God, forgive us if that's, if that's us. So many people raise their hands to say, I need revival. God, bring it and bring it in our lives and bring it in our families. God, real revival, real revival. God, forgive us for being lukewarm and for taking you for granted. Father, we pray for unity in the church. God, this church, but in every single church, we pray for unity in the body of Christ that you would begin a movement of prayer in your church, in this church, in every church, that the people of God in Eastern Kentucky would be desperate for you to move. And God, let it begin with us. Let it begin with unity. God, we would come together under the name of Jesus. Set aside secondary differences all in the name of Jesus and people coming to him. Pray for unity in the church, and we ask for revival. God, we are praying for a spiritual revival. We are praying for more salvations in this area than anyone has ever seen. We pray that every church would be full. We pray that every church would be united. We pray for the breaking of addiction. God, we pray for the breaking of strongholds over this region. Father, I pray that you would move in a supernatural way here in this region for your glory, not for our glory or our name, but all for you. God, we want people to know you. Eastern Kentucky needs you. And so God, we pray, we pray that you would send a real revival. And God, asking one time, asking one time in a church service, God, you can do it. But God, over and over in your word, you've told us to beg and to seek and to knock. So God, would you help us to ask for revival over and over and over and over until it comes. Revival in our schools, revival in marriages, revival in our culture. God, revival in this community. And God, that it would trickle out into our nation. Our nation needs God. So God, send a spiritual awakening here. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen, amen. Listen, I just want to thank everybody for coming. This is awesome. This is awesome. If you're new here, love to give you a first-time gift there at our welcome table. Guys, you are dismissed. Let's continue to pray for revival.